0: If there's something that is becoming an issue, be proactive, sit down with your management team and say, hey, here are my values as a practitioner and here are the things that I am and I'm not comfortable with. They're clearly different than the practice at large. Where do we go from here?
1: Welcome to the Sawyer so Vet Now What? The podcast. This is a show that serves as your audio mentor in your journey as a veterinarian. And each week, Our awesome host, Dr. Mariah McCauley, will be bringing you insightful short-form interviews with happy, successful vets who are eager to share their career and clinical tips to make your life easier. So whether you're a final year vet student or a recent graduate, this podcast is your trusted companion on the pathway to success in veterinary medicine. Over to you, Mo.
2: Welcome back to So You're a Vet. Now What. I'm your host, Dr. Mariah McCauley. This week, we are in part two of my conversation with the amazing Dr. Sarah Wolf. So, without too much ado, let's jump into it. Hey guys, and welcome back to part two. I have Dr. Sarah Wolf here. And in part one, if you haven't listened to it, hit pause here. Go back to part one, take a little listen to it. We're talking about client communication and dealing with the situations that I guess don't really go to plan. So in part one, we kind of give you some tips and tools. And here in part two, we are going to talk through some specific scenarios. Sarah, how about you kind of kick us off with um, what's one of those like real life scenarios you've dealt with? And then we can kind of pick it apart and say, this is how you handle it.
0: I think, you know, you and I are kind of brainstorming what are different things that come up frequently and to hit sort of the most stressful moments. I think one of the most stressful things that can happen is when everything goes fine. The appointment, everything is going well, or at least, you know, red flags are popping up for you that the client's frustrated. There's an issue. And then a day or a week later, all of a sudden there's a huge client problem and the client is upset and everything blows up in your face. And that can happen for a lot of different reasons. It can be financial, you know, when the credit card bill comes in and they realize what they've spent and that, oh my gosh, why did I spend that much money? I shouldn't have. Or it could be that their partner disagrees with a choice that they made during their appointment. And so the partner is now calling to say like, what the heck was this? My partner can't explain to me what was happening. It can also be that there's a bad outcome. You know, clinically things don't go well in a range of ways. And now there's this questioning of what happened initially. And I think those moments are some of the most stressful that I've had in my career where you think everything's okay. And so it's not even on your radar really as something that you're worried about. And then it blows up. If you know something's going poorly during the moment or a client's frustrated, you can take some steps proactively to address it or to kind of give everyone a heads up about what's going on. But if you don't know...
2: Ooh, that's oh, that's hard. It's so hard and it stings because like you said, like you don't, you don't get get any indication from the client at the time that they're going to have a problem or that someone's going to backlash on you. And yeah. I know like we've had those scenarios where it's like, okay, maybe the husband or even in some cases, the son or daughter brings the pet in, you kind of go through everything with them, you get the okay for the treatment plan, you do everything. And then sometimes I've had it where it's like a day later, two days later, or even like 30 minutes later, like the parent or the partner calls back irate. And of course, the front desk is like, SOS, (laughs) what do we do? I need the doctor to talk to this client because I don't know what the heck is going on. So if you are the new grad vet, or you're just a recent grad, and you're dealing with this, like, it stings to be like, what did I do wrong? Like, what did I personally do wrong? It feels like a personal attack. So how would you talk someone through um, handling the scenarios? I think it it varies client to client. This is where I call these moments communication with a capital
0: C. That's my phrase whenever I'm having a day or appointment or a call where you're like, consciously really following steps about how to talk about something, you know, just that capital C communication. And I think the first thing to do is to always check in on the pet, right? You know, for me, that helps clear my own conscience about at least that side of things. You know, how is the pet doing? How are things at home? Like, let's make sure that medically we're not in a bad situation first and foremost. And I think you can express that as the first concern, even when someone's frustrated with you or mad at you. It also helps them to understand that we're all on the same team trying to care for their pet and that... You know, we're so used to when we're mad at somebody, them getting defensive or getting upset with us in return and having a negative reaction. And most humans are used to that, that having that, like, I'm really sorry that you're upset. I want to talk about it at first. I just really want to make sure that Fluffy is okay. How are things going at home? You know, or if things aren't going well, you know, I was devastated to hear what's going on with Fluffy. You know, let's figure out how to deal with this and then let's make sure we have a plan. You know, that no matter what else happens with this discussion, I'm here for your pet if you can do that initially that helps people calm down a little bit because they're not now dealing with you being defensive or being frustrated back with them and helps them know that ultimately we have the same goals so i think that's the first step for me always is just checking on the the clinical situation and make sure we all know that that's our main priority then i think saying just simply can you tell me about what happened or tell me more about what's frustrating you you know i heard And I usually use the phrase because, you know, someone comes and tells you, Mrs. So-and-so said X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, E, F, N, G. I just pretend like I don't know that. And I try to wipe it from my mind also what I've heard and just say, I heard you had some concerns or I heard you had some questions. Please tell me more about that. Just get curious and let them explain it to you in their own words. Because how many times does the clinical story change, right, from when we go in the room after a wonderful, fabulous team member has gotten a really good history and we go in and something totally different is going on. The same can happen. Don't play telephone about what's going on with their concerns. Ask them directly. And then assess quickly, you know, are any of these things legitimate things like, yeah, you know what? We didn't go over a treatment plan and costs with your partner before we did this stuff. That was cruddy of us, you know, and how you address that is going to vary practice to practice and your authority to adjust charges or to apologize or whatever is going to change a little bit practice to practice. But first, I like to assess, did we really mess up? If we did, then I can say, even if I have no authority to do anything, you know, I don't love how that played out with you guys. I'm really upset that this is impacting our relationship. I'm going to talk with our team and see what we can do about it, mm-hmm. you know, or how moving forward we can make sure this is right, you know? And I think that understanding this, that you are concerned about it and that you don't like it either, again, helps bring them down another notch. So just expressing that true sympathy you know and understanding Mm -hmm. and then finally really letting them know that you take their concerns seriously even if you have no ability to change anything and if there was a poor clinical outcome saying you know i'm really upset because we are like it's horrible it keeps you up at night you know this is going to bother me for a long time that this happened i want you to know that whatever the concern was, you know, I'm going to think about this or our team's going to talk about this and it's this kind of information that helps us grow and become better at what we're doing and express genuine appreciation for them coming to you. So saying, thank you so much for telling me your concerns or telling me about this negative experience. You know, I hate that this happened to you guys. This isn't how we want to be as a practice. This isn't how I want to be as a veterinarian. And there's no way that I'd be able to get better without information like this. And so thank you so much for taking the time and, you know, having the conscience to come to me with this. And people are so not used to getting positive reactions to negative feedback that I find that usually helps them calm down a lot and helps actually address their underlying concern. And it's true, right? Like, I'm not blowing smoke up their booty, right? Like I'm going to think about this for a long time. Our practice is going to talk about it at our next team meeting. We're going to hash out what went wrong and what we can do better. And there may or may not be some financial compensation or whatever for the client. And that's very likely out of our hands as the veterinarian. But there's a lot that we can do emotionally to let them know that we hear them. We appreciate that maybe something did go wrong or didn't work out the way we wanted and that we truly value this feedback and are going to put it to good use so that things change. And those three things usually help people move past the negativity and into a place of, okay, now how do we move forward? And sometimes the answer is we're never coming back to you. And that's valid sometimes, right? And that's okay. And then you just support them in that and help them find a new vet.
1: Are you a new or recent veterinary graduate? If so, listen up. My course, So Your Vet, Now What?, Has been put together specifically for you we focus on the non-clinical skills don't tune out this is not as dull as it sounds i promise you in fact almost every career problem that people face are due to not having well-developed non-clinical skills the skills i'm talking about are things like client communication so you have great relationships with clients emotional intelligence so, you've got great relationships with your teammates. Effective negotiation skills, so you can get paid what you are worth. Management of imposter syndrome, and how to build formidable resilience. They're not just skills, they are prerequisites vital for success in financial and emotional well being. This course serves as an essential stepping stone to your success. So, let's take the leap together. I will be your mentor as we go through 12 modules helping you transition from being a student to being a fully rounded professional. Head to www.drdavenickel.com forward slash S-Y-A-V class to learn more. Now back to the show.
2: All right, where would you like your record sent? <laughs> exactly, you know.
0: But sometimes the answer is great. We now know going forward, you always see a doctor. You have no technician appointments because that's not something you're comfortable with. I'm going to put a note in your chart right now. Please never hesitate to be vocal about
2: that when you're scheduling with us. Yeah. And I guess like one little side note for our question would be, and again, it depends on practice to practice and what your authority is, but in those situations where maybe when they were frustrated and maybe there was something wrong or not something wrong that we did, but like they were actually like almost abusive or rude in how they responded to staff members. What are some phrases that I guess you can use in those situations that still show them like, hey, I still care about you, but that behavior's not okay. How yeah. would you say that? I think just saying, you know, I can see
0: where you're coming from and I agree that this could have been handled much better and it's important to us that we do better in the future. My ask of you is that when things are frustrating, here's how we can handle feedback in the moment or here's who you can talk to or how you can voice that concern. I can't let you yell at my staff though. You know The team here deals with a lot of tough stuff every day and I'm going to ask you to not take it out on them emotionally. And if that's not something that you're comfortable with, I can respect that, but that's not something we can have happening here you know but i think just phrasing it as an ask you know in our practice here's
2: what i'm going to ask of you in return
0: yeah for how we're going to try and do better i need you to do better too
2: yeah i mean our practice has like a code of conduct for clients like <laughs> and so that gives us a little bit more ground to stand on when they are inappropriate towards our staff because we can say hey this is something that for you coming to our practice like this is a code of behaviors that we expect you to adhere to but that's actually something I've had to say to a client where I'm like, I cannot help you when you were talking to me that way. Like, you feel like you're talking to a toddler in a way, but to a degree, you have to break it down to that level of understanding. But I think that's a really good way of phrasing it because it's not something that, again, vet school teaches you how to say or what to say in those situations. They're like, oh, you'll deal with it. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I think if you're in the moment and things are going off the rails like that in an appointment, yeah. you know... I am not someone who responds well to like, well, it's our policy, this. Like, well, it's my policy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I, I, you know, I'm not going to uh, respond well on if I'm the customer in the moment. But you can say, hey, just stop the moment. Again, let's stop everything and just say, look, I really want to help your dog. You know, I'm really worried about her also. I know you're really worried about her. We both want that to happen. I need us to both calm down a little bit to be able to talk about this and figure out a productive plan. You know, if you need a minute or if you want to take a walk or something, I get that. But I need us to be communicating more effectively so we can get there. And phrasing it in terms of that shared outcome desire and then providing your ask can help people say, okay, yeah, that's fair. That's you can't figure anything out if I'm yelling at you, yeah. you know? And if they say, well, screw you, you're like, okay, usually by then they're halfway out the door anyway. So like, see, see yeah. you
2: later. Or <laughs> would you like your record bye? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, so you know, if it's really bad, they usually take it into their own hands. Yeah. But I think just coming back to that shared understanding of what you're trying to achieve and what you need to be able to get there helps give them a productive way to get on board as well without feeling judged, without you saying that their behavior is bad or they're bad. Just here's what I need for us to move forward.
2: No, I think that's a beautiful way to approach those situations. And again, like if you guys are new grads, recent grads, like you're going to deal with this. And so if you're someone who like really has a lot of anxiety or struggles with these, it's can be helpful that in a way, do a little bit of role play with one of your friends, a staff member, your mirror, and just practice some of these phrases so that they are in your memory bank and that you have in a way said them before. And that can help remove a lot of the stress um, that comes with, again, dealing with these situations. So in the time we have remaining, we have one more kind of scenario for you guys. And we'll kind of have to go through it a little bit faster, but... That's all right. <laughs> I know. We just love talking about this stuff so much. Honestly, <laughs> uh, we could talk for hours. But the kind of scenario that we have is, again, like you're in the room. There's a couple different ways that we've had this happen, but maybe it's like someone's asking you to sign something that you know you really shouldn't because it's your doctor uh, license on the line. It's not right for the pet. Or also like situations like if they come and ask about declawing or heaven forbid they ask you to euthanize their otherwise healthy two-year-old rambunctious puppy. So that puts a lot of moral and ethical stress on you as the doctor, but how would you recommend someone handle those type of situations? I think there's three different layers to it. One is,
0: is there just a one-off crazy thing somebody wants you to do? I shouldn't say crazy. You know, if there's a one-off, you know, inappropriate thing that somebody wants you to do that you're just obviously not going to do, like sign a form that says the pet's healthy and the pet's obviously very ill, yeah. right? And those are easy to just say, you know, I'm not comfortable with that because X, Y, Z, and I'm afraid I can't do that for you today period. Move on. You know, they might be upset. You tell your manager, you tell your supervisor, hey, this thing happened in a room today. I just want you to be aware in case there's some blowback or there's an issue. You know, you give everyone a heads up and you move forward and hopefully it blows over, right? There can also be things that come up recurrently. So things that maybe used to be done at your practice that aren't done anymore, or your community's used to, or is something that you're just not going to do, you know, that you're not comfortable with. And those things, I think you kind of have to figure out on your own. You have to practice a little bit. How are you going to address them? So when they come up, what's the way that you can say, I'm not comfortable with that. Or, you know, I'm concerned about that because I've seen it come out this other way. A lot of the time, you know, usually there's a pretty good reason behind why we're not comfortable with something, right? Not just a legal thing, but I'm not comfortable just giving Serenia in the situation because I've seen so many dogs have this other problem come up afterwards. And it's really important that we at least do A, B, or C first. Yeah. And if you can cage it inside of your experience and a better outcome for them, that usually helps either get them on board or at least have them walk away saying, well, fine, yeah, but you had a reason for it. And I think the third layer are things that happen because your personal values and needs are different than that of your practice. And if that's a situation that's coming up, hopefully you knew that beforehand before going into a practice or so something like declawing. I've never done declawing, and I didn't learn to do it in vet school, and so I was very upfront with practices when I was getting hired early on to say, "Hey, I don't do declawing. If that's important to you, I'm not going to be the surgeon to do that for you." And so, being upfront and having a plan ahead of time with your practice for things where there's something you're not going to do, but a team member will do. If there's something that is becoming an issue, it's coming up like that, be proactive. Sit down with your management team and say, "Hey." here are my values as a practitioner and here are the things that I am and I'm not comfortable with. They're clearly different than the practice at large. Where do we go from here? Because the answer might be like, great, those clients aren't clients you need to see and that works at our practice. The answer might be, you need to not work at this practice anymore, right? But better to figure that out early on than after you've had 30 horrible experiences come up, right? And I think all in all, when you're looking at those kind of three different layers, a one-off thing that's just totally inappropriate that you can just say, "I can't do that for you." You know, I'm, I wish yeah. I could help you, but I can't. Kind of common things that come up a couple of times that you have a little plan for how you're going to handle, and then the big mismatches between you and practice. First, you need to kind of figure out which of those three am I in right now, and then that helps you figure out how to go forward. But always being honest and being proactive about it is helpful. And taking a minute afterwards after a situation to say, did I learn anything from this about how I'd like to handle this differently? You know, talk to colleagues about it, because it might be that it's something like a convenience euthanasia. And maybe someone else has different opinions about that and can share some thoughts with you that hope open your mind to a different way of thinking about it or a different resource available for clients or whatever it is. But talking about those moments with your colleagues in your practice and outside of it is never going to lead you to a worse place of understanding or a worse place of being able to approach those situations. So that's definitely a time to lean on your community and get their opinions, too, to help you move forward more proactively.
2: It's like, what's the answer? If you don't know, talk to your mentor. (laughs) Yep. Honestly, like I love the layer idea for that, because I know there have definitely been scenarios where I've been in like each of those little categories and trying to figure out how do I approach it, it's different based on what the ask is, who the client is, who you are as a person. And so being able to, again, like kind of figure those out beforehand, go to your practice when you're interviewing, ask them those things. Like what's your stance on declaw? What's your stance on if I'm not comfortable, what's the protocol that you want me to follow? These are all great questions to be asking in the interview phase even. And Granted, when I was interviewing for practices, no one told me any of these things to ask. I didn't know. I thought I was just supposed to be like, do you have an ultrasound? Do <laughs> you What kind of surgeries do you do? What's my schedule going to look like?" like? The things that I know now about interviewing, oh my goodness, would have revolutionized how I really approached my interview process. But really being able to ask about the client communication side, I think is something that we miss out on quite a bit. But hopefully the different scenarios that we covered today are going to be helpful for our new grads, for our recent grads. Because again, even if you've been in practice for a year or two, having the opportunity to hear about these different scenarios, how you can approach them better is going to decrease your stress, your staff stress, your client stress, your patient stress. It's going to lead to better outcomes overall. So Dr. Sarah Wolf, thank you so much for joining again. And I know, like I said, we could keep on talking forever. We could have part three, four, five, six if we wanted to, <laughs> um, but we'll keep it to part one and two for now. But if you guys have any questions at all, don't hesitate to reach out to Sarah or myself. And so Sarah, where can people find you? Yes. Yeah, so on Instagram, I am Dr. Sarah Wolf, D-R-S-A-R-A-H-W-O-L-F-F.
0: My name can apparently be spelled a million ways on Instagram. And then the same.com is my website and you can always reach me through there. And I am always happy to hear from anybody about anything related to client experience. I'm a huge nerd about it and it's clearly
2: my favorite thing to talk about. So don't hesitate to reach out. Absolutely. And oh my goodness, you guys, like I said, we could keep talking. So if you have more questions or things that you want to hear about, like let us know so we can keep creating content for you. But uh, for now, we'll say goodbye. And Sarah, thank you once again. Thank you so much for having me.
1: So that's it for another show. Thank you so much to Dr. Mariah and her guests for today's tips. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do to support early stage vets in their careers, then check out my book, Sorry Vet Now What, or non-clinical skills training class of the same name. Until next time, take care.